This is Tim Hughes. Tim, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing just dandy here. How about you? Very, very good. I'm glad we can finally do this. Yes, yes, we did finally connect. Hey, so you called me from California, right? That's correct. See, I thought you were this Williamsport, Pennsylvania guy, so I'm a little thrown off here. Well, we I am very much from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, born and raised there. But during the wintertime, to get away from the cold and the ice and the snow, we uh, spend some months out here in California. Wait, so Tim, you don't like the real field temperature of 8 degrees that was two days ago? I like to look up in the mountains out here in Southern California and see the snow up there where it belongs. <laughs> so for me, Tim, this is a very selfish podcast because I'm not sure how many people share our weird, uh, weird passion or hobby of collecting rare and old newspapers, but you run this incredible site, which I just became aware of around two months ago, rarenewspapers.com. So tell me, Tim, is it just me and you, or is this is it a popular hobby? Well, it's not a whole lot more than me and you. You know, <laughs> I, I started this, I started this uh, hobby back uh, 44 years ago, actually. And uh, the reason I got into it is because I, I discovered an old newspaper, about 1846 newspaper for $3 at a flea market. And I thought, wow, this is amazingly inexpensive for uh, something that's 130 some years old. So I, I sort of pursued the paper thing. I had always collected something, and I found that, you know, stamp collecting and coin collecting have always been very exploited businesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, to get anything decent, you got to spend a lot of money. And it was frustrating. I was making, you know, two bucks mowing the neighbor's lawn. So what could I buy as <laughs> a rare coin for two bucks? So I discovered this newspaper at a flea market and was just intrigued by it. So I thought, let me snoop around, see if I can find some more of this stuff, which I... I did some snooping, found some, and I also discovered that like nobody knows about this hobby, which is one reason I thought this price was so cheap. I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm kind of getting into the ground floor of something that has yet to be to to blossom and become something uh, very big like other collectibles. So, you know, I kind of pursued it passionately. I, I was working eventually after I got out of college. I had a full time job back working at Little League Baseball headquarters, which is in my hometown. And I sort of did this um, newspaper thing on the side. I would buy them, I would sell them, and whatever made make selling newspapers, I bought more, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But to sort of answer your question, I'm going to guess there might be a thousand to fifteen hundred serious collectors of rare newspapers in the country, which, quite frankly, is a small number when you think about the collectibles field of stamps and coins and uh, books that are they number in the tens and hundreds of thousands of people so it is a relatively small hobby but i think it's mainly because most people don't know you can get newspapers beyond the 1930s or 40s uh, but they do that we sell them from the 1500s and 1600s you just hit me with so much info you, you have to see me over here tim in my apartment here in new york city i'm jotting everything down growing up in williamsport pennsylvania so for me I think of two things, the Little League World Series and Mike Mussina. Uh, so you, you, <laughs> yes. you, you mentioned Williamsport. So you worked for the Little League World Series. What did you do for them? Excuse me? What did you do in connection with the Little oh. League World Series? Well, I worked there for 13 years. Well, I, I worked for Little League Baseball headquarters, not just the World Series. Okay. The World Series is the event that happens there for 10 days. But uh, yeah, I worked there full time. I uh, started off in the public relations department. And when I left, I was uh, vice president of operations of, of Little League Baseball. 
Um, but I really, during that time, is the same time the rare newspaper business was really kind of uh, uh, growing for me. So I had a choice of to spend or sort of rest of my life working at Little League Baseball or uh, pursuing this hobby and try to turn it into a business of rare newspaper selling. And I chose the latter. But I've maintained a nice, I'm, I'm on the board of directors of Little League Baseball. Uh, my office is literally five blocks from the World Series. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, still, I'm still very much involved with what happens there at, uh, at the end of August. And any connection to Mike Mussina, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. So, you know, Mike Mussina oh, is gosh. synonymous yeah. with uh, Williamsport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, his town is Montorzo, which is a small town just uh, attached to Weensport, so to speak. Uh, I, re- I can remember, Mike, literally when uh, I worked at Little League Baseball, we used to do a day camp for the local kids. And I remember him. I was pitching balls in a batting cage and uh, he stuck out because this kid hit every ball I threw at him. <laughs> I mean, every ball I threw at him, he hit. Of course, pitchers today aren't known to be hitters, but back then he was uh, quite the athlete. But no, I've played golf with he and his son in that tournament here. He's a local guy. He coaches the uh, the local uh, basketball team, high school basketball team from Montorzo. So he's a great guy, without question. Great guy. Before we talk newspapers, give me your uh, – because it's such a magical place down there. I've been down there twice. Give me your favorite Little League or one good Little League World Series or Little League moment that uh, sticks out for you. Oh, it's got to be the uh, the year, and I think it was 1980. Uh, the pitcher was Cody Webster from uh, uh, Washington, state of Washington. I'm trying to remember the name of the town, but um, up near Seattle, I know. Mm-hmm. And they defeated the then powerhouse of uh, Taiwan, who had won won a, a, a nice string of World Series as many years in a row. And it was just an incredible upset. It was just an event that uh, I'll simply never forget. It was amazing. They actually, I'm, I'm glad you pinpointed that because they actually made it ESPN 30 for 30 about that. That's how significant that was. So that, uh, yeah, it was Kirkland, Washington. That was the name of the town. Kirkland, Washington. Yeah. Oh, that I've watched that game on YouTube. Uh, I wasn't born yet, but I, I remember watching the 30 for 30 on it, I guess, a couple of years ago. And that really, listen, Little League World Series, Williamsport. I was born in Staten Island, so Mid-Island won the 1964 World Series. So I always knew about it, but after watching that 30 for 30, that really put it on the map more, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it made national news like uh, World Series. Never, I mean, literally World Series always made national news, but mm-hmm. that event, that game was pretty spectacular. Now, were you? You mentioned coins and stamps. Were you a hoarder or a collector growing up? I, I, was it coins? Did you collect that stuff, or was it yeah. more? Yeah. Okay. I was. I was a collector. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I think it's something that's in your genes. I think you're either a collector or you're not a collector. Mm-hmm. Those who collect anything get it, but those who don't, they just don't understand why people collect anything. So yeah, coins struck me when I was young. Uh, I'm talking when I was probably eight, nine years old, I started being a coin collector. And and like I say, I got frustrated because they got too expensive to get some of the desirable stuff that I wanted to fill out a set. So that's why, then I went to bottles, collected bottles for a bit, collected old books for a bit. And then then I discovered this newspaper at a fleet market. It was a, really was an epiphanal moment for me. It was, uh, it was interesting. Now, Tim, did you ever, do you feel like sometimes I'll tell you for me, like uh, action figures. Like I love the Yankees. So like McFarlane comes out with figures. 
I can't buy just two Yankee figures because I'm like, I need every single Yankee figure. Or <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a new Sports Illustrated out. I need everyone with Kentucky basketball on the cover. Are you that way too? Do you have to control yourself, your urges? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but <laughs> one thing that's kind of easy to control yourself on is that um, uh, there's not a whole lot. The old newspapers don't come up that often. Mm-hmm. So I do grab and buy as much as I can, as often as I can, but it's sort of self-controlling because there's just not that much that, come, that comes up in the market, which, which is what makes it a fascinating hobby. I mean, this stuff is more rare than people would guess. So, uh, but yeah, oh, well, we've got three and a half million newspapers in the warehouse, 95% of which I'll never sell in my lifetime, but uh, you grab it when you can. <laughs> now, you mentioned grabbing that old, old newspaper for $3. When was that moment? I know you said you came to the crossroads of Little League uh, baseball and newspapers. When, where was that moment when it's like, okay, this hobby could be something more. It can be a business. Like my passion could finally be a business. When, when was that moment? You know, probably was in 1985, which is three years before I uh, left Little League baseball. That's when the hobby was get for me, it was taking a lot of time. It was consistent. It was making reasonably decent money. And I thought, boy, you know, I think I could probably do this full time. And, and you know, it's like, who, who, that's like everybody's dream. Who, who, course, would, who yeah. wouldn't like to be self-employed and make a living off of a hobby? So as the next three years went by, it continued to do well. And that's when I just decided to make the jump. And um, that's, that's, so I, in 1985, that's when it hit. And that's when I really thought I could do it as a full-time job. Making a few dollars here and there. How about a moment you're like, okay, this is it. Like, I know you quit your job and you went all in on the newspapers. Was there a moment, a sale when you're like, we are onto something and now the ball's rolling, this is it? Yeah, there kind of was. It's kind of interesting. And it literally happened, I'd say, about two weeks before I quit my job at Little League Baseball. And, and in this business, and like a lot of hobbies, to me, the challenge isn't so much selling this stuff because I kind of found that to be easy. As long as you can reach the right people, mm-hmm. it's buying the good stuff that is really magical. And that's what, that's what's incredible. And about two weeks before I quit my job at Little League baseball, I remember I won uh, by sort of an auction system, a sealed bid system, uh, the uh, collection of the Connecticut Historical Society of newspapers they had that were not from Connecticut. And it was tens of thousands of newspapers oh, from wow, the 17, wow. 1700s, uh, from the Civil War, from the whole gamut from about 1770 straight on through uh, probably the 1880s, 1890s. Now, what's interesting, I had worked hard to get myself out of debt and uh, having a few bucks in the bank uh, before I quit my job at Little League. And here I was two weeks before I quit, and I was in more debt than I was <laughs> ever in my life. <laughs> so. <laughs> But but if anything, it was a motivator for me to really uh, hustle and sell this stuff. But like I say, uh, the magical part of this business is having the inventory. And that was an incredible purchase for inventory. And uh, to this day, it's been many years now, uh, I still probably have some of those newspapers from that purchase. It really, really set things off and got me going. This might be a little generic, but I'm going to try to piggyback on what you just said. You get in this old, you get in this old collection from Connecticut. Where else did you get them? Because you have papers like rarenewspapers.com. You guys have it from the 1600s to the 1850s to today. So where else do you get the papers from? Yep, there are a number of sources, but quite frankly, the biggest source in the past 
when I say in the past, probably 20, 30, 40 years ago, have really been from libraries. Because back in the 50s and 60s, when microfilming became sort of popular with libraries, a lot of libraries started to uh, convert their newspapers to microfilm, or now they digitize them because microfilm and digital copies are so incredibly much easier to store and to research and to look through that they didn't want the actual newspapers sitting on their shelves anymore. So in the 70s, when I kind of got into the business with the hobby, uh, 70s and 80s and even early 90s, a lot of libraries were getting rid of the newspapers. They didn't want them anymore. It took up too much room, too dusty and dirty. And I, I had written to pretty much every library in the country, and they got my name, and I was buying newspapers by the truckload from these libraries. They wow, just wanted wow. to get rid of them. So uh, most of them came from libraries at one point in time. Some of them have come from individuals. We get them from all kinds of crazy sources. But uh, I'm going to say 90% of them at one time came out of a library. They got rid of it because they had it digitized or microfilmed and didn't want them anymore. Now, you mentioned your warehouse and stuff. Do you guys have a museum for anything or have you lent them out to any museums? We've had, yes, uh, you may be familiar with, which actually just closed the museum down in Washington, D.C. Of course. Oh, that closed? Yeah, they're, they're in the process of closing now. They may be, their doors may be open now, but they're, they're, they're closing down, unfortunately. But we've had a number of newspapers we loaned them through the years. Um, I also had a group of newspapers back in 1987 uh, when the country uh, celebrated the 200th anniversary of the Constitution. There was actual, actually sort of a traveling caravan that the, the president and, uh, well, Congress really uh, created. And they had a lot of historic documents, uh, the original Declaration of Independence, the original Constitution, Bill of Rights. And they also had five of my newspapers, which had those events in them. And they toured the original 13 colonies. It was about a two or three month episode, I think. And there's other libraries that who have asked us when they're doing a particular display with a theme, whether it's on Lincoln or maybe presidential assassinations or whatever they have borrowed newspapers from us uh, so yeah, the institutions have been either buyers or people that we've just loaned them to and then we eventually get them back now how many i know you just told me how many issues do you guys have total we've got about three we think about three and a half million oh don't literally God. count them but <laughs> at least at least at least three and a half million of them yeah now, I got to say this again about the site because this site is so easy to navigate. So I actually buy them randomly from here and there. I might have bought some from you from eBay a while ago. But when I came across your site, I typed in Babe Ruth. And I saw uh, you have Babe Ruth's last game that he pitched. And I'm like, oh, my God, I had to buy it. So I bought it right away. But your site, because I want to stress this to everyone listening, you can go in and type in any keyword. And it just, boom, it goes right to that newspaper. Now, I have to ask you this, Tim. You get the newspapers. You're getting a stack from the Connecticut Library. Do you like or someone read through them or skim through them and say, oh, wow, they just mentioned Babe Ruth. They just mentioned blank because it's not like today's papers where it's front page, back page, huge headlines. How do you guys go through that? Yeah, that's a good point because uh, some of the most fascinating events in whether it's sports history or just American history in general, were really kind of nothing in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, a, good, a good example is when um, the Yankees bought um, Babe Ruth from Boston, I think it was 1914. Um, it, it was like a paragraph report on a sports page, nothing on the front page, because Babe Ruth wasn't, I mean, he was a pretty kind of a famous player back then, but he, of course, he hit his heyday in the 20s and 30s. Um, so what we do, 
we keep a database of all the historic events uh, that have happened from in America from the 1700s up till today. So when we get a big collection, and usually they're in bound volumes, which means like you get like the New York Times, you get like a whole year from 1877, all bound up in a book. We know what date to go to to find the content we're looking for. We know where to go to find Custer's Massacre. We know where to go to find Lincoln's assassination. We know that where to go to find Babe Ruth's 60th home run. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we do some skimming otherwise, but it's easy because we know what dates to look for. Any issue selling them, meaning I know it's a business, any emotional connection to some pieces? Oh, yeah. And they get thrown aside to uh, the private collection. (laughs) You know what? Thank you. Because listen, as I'm doing this and I'm making my little like notes, my little cheat notes for when when I finally spoke to you, I'm like, I just hope, listen, obviously it's a business. People need money. But I hope there's some pieces that you're like, nope, I don't care what you give me. I'm keeping this. And what is it for you? Is it sports? Is it a certain era? Is it a war? What is your favorite pieces? You know, uh, one thing I like about this hobby is that one thing you got to keep in mind, something that intrigues me about the, the hobby, is that anything that has ever happened in American history or world history from the early 1600s to the present, present is in a newspaper. It can be found. So, I mean, it just encompasses all kinds of events, whether it is sports or it's politics or it's, uh, it's westward expansion or exploration. So I've been, you know, I never really was terribly focused on an era or a type of event. I like big headlines, excellent reports of any major event, something that 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 intrigued me. It could be the Battle of Lexington and Concord. It may be uh, something on Mickey Mantle. It may have been, uh, you know, uh, one of the major, the, the Battle of Gettysburg, say. But I tried to find newspapers, and I, and I would keep the newspapers that were the best of the best that I could find at the time. Great. That was a great answer because some people are like, hey, I just want blank. I just want – so it's everything because like you said, Tim, everything that's happened in the history of this country – has been written down and documented. So anything's accessible. Yeah, it, it, it's intriguing. We had a collector who put together through us, a he, he liked presidential election items. And by the way, we get a lot of collectors who are themed on a very localized or, uh, or narrow sort of band of history. And, and, and that's fine. We cater a lot of those kind of people. But this guy was intrigued by inaugurations. And he asked me one time, he said, Tim, do you think I could put together a newspaper that reports the inauguration of every president from George Washington on. I said, well, you know, we could do that. I can't do it instantly, but we probably have quite a few now. So essentially, over the course of three or four years, we were able to find the inauguration of every president from Washington until I think at that time it was Clinton uh, was the latest. And um, uh, yeah, so I should say anything that happened in history is buried somewhere in a newspaper or it is splashy on the front page headlines of a newspaper. So that's what, that's why we can cater to so many different collectible fields, whether it's a coin collector, a stamp collector, major events, and those uh, hobbies are in newspapers or politics or automobiles. We have a Detroit newspaper when the Corvette was, uh, was rolled off the assembly line for the first time. Uh, it's fascinating. The prices are so low that when I first came across your site, I kind of did a double take. I wasn't sure if it was legit or if there were copies of the original because, you know, 
on eBay, which you also sell your stuff on eBay. Like I said, everything you sell, I bought a ton of stuff, certified, it's authentic. Um, you'll read in the super fine, fine print of some of these random ones on eBay, uh, uh, you know, refurnished, re recopied. How can you possibly set your prices and how do you make them so affordable? Because Babe Ruth's last game was not expensive. His last game pitch was not expensive. So how do you keep the prices so affordable? Yeah, great question. A couple answers here. Number one, first of all, how did I initially establish price? Well, you know, it's um, it's, it's it was by it was hit or miss. Mm -hmm. I had no idea back in the seventies either. So, I <laughs> I had this little simple catalog. If I paid, if I, if I had a newspaper that had to see a Civil War battle one, say uh, the Battle of. Um, Big Springs. Um, I said, okay, let me try. I'll put it in for, for eight bucks. And if I had 15 people who wanted to buy it, I knew it was too low. If I, if it sat in my catalog for, for two months and no one bought it, I know it was too high. So it was trial and error. Um, I just, uh, just, it was trial and error. And then I kind of set my own price guide because there is no price guide. We were like the only people in the country who were doing this. So I, there's <laughs> no other resource to go to. Um, so yeah, through the years we've honed in, we really got to know that this event will sell for this kind of money when the paper's in this condition or won't sell for a higher price because people know it's just not worth that kind of money. Um, and the other reason prices stay low is because there's not great demand. You know, that's kind of the nice thing about the hobby with relatively few people in it. You're not competing against a lot of other people. And in the same respect, when we buy newspapers, we often would buy them like nearly in a truckload fashion. And I would get them very inexpensively on a perishable basis. I may buy a complete run of the New York Times uh, from, uh, let's say, the 18, 1940s, right during World War II, for $300. So that's less than a dollar an issue. We've got 365 issues in there. So even if I sold a major uh, World War II battle for 15 bucks, I mean, I paid a buck for it. So it was great for me. And when you started doing this, wife, girlfriend, were well, they like, are you crazy when you started doing this? Uh, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> funny. When I, when I was working at Little League, I was telling my friends working there what I was doing, it's, and they thought, wow, they just kind of look at you funny. Even to this day, <laughs> when people – I happen to meet people. I'm a golfer, so I you know, play golf a lot, and you always meet people on the golf course and say, you know, what do you do? And the typical response I get when I say I'm a dealer in rare newspapers, they'll say, what? And then I have to kind of explain it, what it is that I do. So a lot of people just don't get it. And my, my own parents really thought, wow, I remember my father-in-law when I told him I was going to quit my job at Little League Baseball. I had a good job at Little League. It was secure, paid vacation, paid health care. And here I was going to give all that up to sell something that absolutely nobody in the world needs. <laughs> so you, uh, you, he, he just thought it was crazy. So you want to hear how I kind of got started it and how my family hates me? Because I live in a little apartment here in New York City, and all, I had a house in Staten Island, so I had crates and crates. So in 1996, like I said, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, and I'm uh, uh -huh. you know 14 years old, and the Yankees, uh, they're in the playoffs. They play the Texas Rangers in the first round of the ALDS, and they win. So I bought the New York Post and the New York Daily News, Tim, and then I'm like, I wonder what they think of in Texas. So I called the Texas, whatever, I, whatever newspaper down there in Arlington. I got the phone number and I'm like, can you, can I buy a newspaper? And they're like, sure. So they sent it up and I wanted to read how, 
And I did that for every Yankee game. And it was just, you know, a coincidence. They won the World Series that year. But I have every New York paper and every opponent's when they play the Orioles. Then they played the Braves. And then I'm like, this is kind of cool. And then I started doing it with every sport. And then if the Saints win the Super Bowl, I'm calling New Orleans. And I'm calling. And I just started collecting and collecting. And I'm like, forget about current stuff. And then just started building to this crazy obsession that I'll be watching a movie about Pearl Harbor. I'm like, Oh, I need a Pearl Harbor newspaper. So, and that's why when I came across your site, I was on it for hours, just bookmarking stuff I wanted. It was incredible. Oh yeah, and even that, when you were doing that with, with the with the baseball games, I mean, wasn't that not only was it fun, but it was cheap. I mean, what it cost you to, so to, to get a newspaper in the mail? It was nothing. And, yeah, and it's funny when I would call up uh, when they started playing Baltimore and they played. Uh, the Orioles and the ALCS, I called down there after game one and I spoke to someone and they go, okay, we'll send it up. What's your address? And then after game two, after game three, finally I called, they go, we'll send it up to you. And they actually just sent it up then because they're like, meanwhile, I kept it. And for me, like you said, beside it being cool, it's intriguing to read about what's going on in Baltimore because they're not sending you just a box score. And now when you look back, you know, the same way people go look at photographs, I love grabbing an old newspaper from, you know, a 78 when Bucky Dent hit the home run and reading about everything else besides the Bucky Dent home run. That's why I'm I'm shocked yeah. this hasn't like just picked up and skyrocketed because it's such a cool hobby. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a lot of people, they'll comment about the um, – uh, the comment about the advertisements. Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, gosh! Yeah, yeah. You, go, you go buy you go buy a fur coat for fifteen dollars. <laughs> you know, one of the sidelights of the business that we uh, that, that we do, which is intriguing for a lot of people, is that we sell a lot of what we could simply call them birthday newspapers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a you got a mom and a dad. You know, they're 50, 60 years old. It's like, what in the world do you buy them? But we suggest get them a newspaper for the day they were born, so that they can see what was going on in the world the day they were born. They can see what prices were for uh, you know for food, for clothes, the whole thing. It's it's a neat gift idea, which which is helped worked out nice for us because we're selling newspapers that are not historic, mm-hmm. of which we've got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of those and it's a good way to kind of move that inventory but it's only special to that person and that's what's kind of neat about it it's the day that person was born and i think one more thing about you just said it perfectly something special the reason i love this silly hobby it's because it's something special to you so that babe ruth when he uh pitched his last game that means something to me maybe there's an article that means something else but it caters to what you want that's why the coin and the stamp thing never got to me i'm like okay it's a cool elvis stamp but uh, you look at it once and that's it the newspaper everything there's everything there <laughs> oh yeah you know that, that's exactly the comparison i've used a number of times with people and i told them you know when you're a coin collector like you say you, you got this lincoln penny okay so it's got a rare date you look at it lincoln on the front you got the weed ears on the back and you know about three <laughs> seconds you're, you're done and i remembered when i bought this first newspaper back in 1974 75 uh, you know, I was a good half an hour reading this thing for three bucks. Uh, yeah, there's just so much in that stuff. that, uh, And a lot of times we filled, and this gets kind of personally rewarding, we have sold a number of newspaper reports to family members because the article was about their father or wow, about their wow, grandfather, yeah. whether it's in the World War II or whatever. And I know they just became absolutely treasured pieces to them. You know, kind of meaningless to everybody else, but treasure pieces to them because it was personal it was family a few quick hit questions before we go you ready sure is there one newspaper maybe it doesn't exist maybe it's too expensive maybe it's international that would be your holy grail piece that you would want for your collection yes 
It would probably be the Pennsylvania Evening Post of July 6, 1776. And you might be able to guess it was the first newspaper to print the Declaration of Independence. And does it exist? It does exist. Not not in my collection yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oldest newspaper that you have in stock is what? We have a 1532 newspaper from Germany. Wow. What newspaper is asked about the most? I, I had a few suggestions, so let me hear if I'm if I'm close to maybe people want the most of you. Ready? Right. I, I would say either I narrowed it down to five: a uh, man walking on the moon, Pearl Harbor, nine eleven, or maybe Obama or Trump. Those are the five I think that people would be most intrigued about for whatever reason. Am I off? Am I right? You're well for that era. If you're talking about the past um, 50, 80 years, you're mm-hmm. kind of right on. Number one would be Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but historically, I think the newspaper we get the most request about is Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Real? Okay. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think yep. of that one. Wow. That's okay. Yep. And now you have. And those... again, again, keeping in mind, you go back to the Revolutionary War <laughs> with, with reports. So Lincoln's assassination, uh, that, that's the number one request we get. For me, I, I'm in my mid-30s. I'm going to sound old, but nothing is better than having breakfast, opening the morning paper, reading the box scores, reading the news, yet millions and millions put it on the iPad, the phone. I know it's your business. Are you an iPad newspaper reader or do you still grab the hard copy? I am a hard copy guy when I can get it. When we're out here in uh, California, mm-hmm. I read our Wingsport newspaper online. But uh, when I'm here in uh, in Palm Desert, it's a hard cup. Uh, you like the touch and the feel. You it's do, just. Yes. Uh, but I'm of an age where that's that's the way it's always been. Now, today's uh, kids in their teens and twenties, they may not ever know that experience, so they're they're fine with it online. I usually ask this because mostly the people I have on are athletes, authors, um, different like I guess celebrities. So I don't know if it applies to you coolest person uh, Tim in your phone that if you texted them they would text you back you and I are at a bar here in New York City you want to impress the whole bar you pull out your phone who's the coolest person that if you texted them they would text you back oh man good question uh, <laughs> you know I, I gotta admit there probably would be no celebrities <laughs> the, the the highest maybe the most important person I could think of would be the uh uh, well, let, let me think for a second. Well, maybe the president and CEO of Little League Baseball. I'm very good friends with him, but uh, that doesn't mean anything to most people. Uh, we have, we think we have um, sold newspapers to some movie stars in the past, but, uh, you know, it's like once and done. They never, uh, uh, they never became full-time collectors. Uh, so now i got to admit, uh, I guess we're dealers to the common man. <laughs> What book are you currently reading now? The book I am currently reading now, curiously, has nothing to do with history. Uh, it is called The Elephant in the Brain. Good book. or no? you recommend it? Yeah, it I, I'm about uh, almost halfway through it. It was recommended to me uh, by my son. It's sort of a, a psychological book on how the brain operates that we don't even know how it how it operates and what it does for us sort of subliminally can you give all the plugs for the ebay your site and everything you want to do right now 
Yes, uh, we are rarenewspapers.com on the internet. We've got about 24,000 newspapers listed there actively, priced anywhere from $3 to $31,000 and absolutely everything in between. We are on eBay. Um, our code uh, eBay is T-I-M-H-U. I think that's correct. But <laughs> you search for old newspapers on eBay, you're going to find a couple thousand of our items as well. But uh, you, you will be intrigued, as Mike just mentioned, uh, this stuff is not expensive. Uh, we sell Civil War New York Times for 28 bucks a piece, 1680s newspapers for uh, 30 bucks a piece, and anything that's ever happened in history. You're going to find it there, and hopefully you'll find it on our website. And I want to jump in and piggyback exactly what you said because rarenewspapers.com, go on there. You'll be intrigued. Type in anything in the world. Type in a player's name, a president's name, a date. You can just do random dates from oh, October 4th, 1981, and the newspapers come up. It is one of the most easiest sites to navigate, and it's fun to navigate. It's one of those things when you're like, oh, my God, they have newspapers from blank. So I love the site. Uh, I think you know what I do for a living. I don't say it on the radio, but I uh, I can retire in two years. I'm going to come down and volunteer, maybe intern down at your place. <laughs> and when you come back for the good good weather, I'll come down there and get a tour of uh, Howard J. Lamont Stadium, my friend. That uh, sounds <laughs> great, Mike. Sounds great, Mike. We'll look forward to it. Tim, this was an absolute blast. Thank you for taking time. Enjoy the beautiful California weather, and thank you for everything, my friend. Thank you. Talk soon, brother. All righty. Bye-bye. Great.